Good morning, guys. My favorite Sunday of the year, excuse me, my favorite day of the week is coming to be with you guys and as we honor God and worship Him and tell Him how much we love Him and how much we need Him. Two weeks ago, my, well, put it this way, God gave me a very significant gift. I mean, like one of the biggest gifts of my life. And I want to tell you about it. And we're going to rejoice together in relationship uh, to it. <laughs> All the technology. All right. I was, uh, I did a sleep study about nine years ago. And they determined that I had, you know, moderate sleep apnea. And so they gave me a CPAP machine. And the problem is, is that when you're sleeping, uh, sometimes your airflow is cut off if you have sleep apnea. So you don't rest at all, really. And so I got a mask like this. And the problem was, is that I could never keep it on. I would always take it off in the night subconsciously. And I did everything I could to wire this thing to my head. I mean, I had a, uh, a red type of, you know, uh, uh, a red top, <laughs> a red like helmet, <laughs> a huge strap that went around my face. And then I had one piece, another strap that wrapped around this way, and then I have another strap that I wrap around this way. <laughs> I mean, I said, I got to keep this thing on. And sometimes it would work for a while, and then it wouldn't work. And so, just this past year, uh, I went to my phonologist, and uh, he said, you know, you're one tough case. You know, we've got to go, you know, with the dental oral appliance. And that is what it looks like. Kind of freaky looking. Uh, my wife says I look like... Frankenstein. <laughs> in fact, um, this is what it's in. I came into the staff uh, meeting on Friday, and, and I was going around the different uh, staff members telling them that I had new braces put on. And I only have to wear them for six months, but I can take them out and put them back in again. And they all said, oh. <laughs> Who knows with new technology, right? Uh, they thought I was. They <laughs> believe me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, but but I tell you what, in relationship uh, to my life, you know, for the last nine years at least, I've been going with very little sleep. I have been tired for nine years and probably more because of my sleep apnea. I have to take naps and. It just like, where's my energy? And then I put this on, and I've worn it for two weeks. And I tell you what, it has doubled my energy. How do you like that? Now, praise God with me. Come on. Yeah. Doubled my physical energy. I mean, it's just amazing. 
I mean, this thing will not come out of your mouth, man. You put it in there and it kind of... And if you get your cheek caught in it, oh, mercy. That is really painful, okay? But I just go to sleep so happy knowing I have this thing. It's not going to come out. I don't have to worry about it. And I do it for naps as well. I do take them. I tell you, it just is a, it's a game changer for me personally uh, to have that, that full uh, amount of energy that you need uh, for every day. Uh, so if you have a CPAP and it's not working for you, you might want to talk to your uh, lung doctor and ask uh, if this might work for you because it has just changed my life. And I'm going to come back to that and give you more details. But uh, we're going through the book of Haggai, Haggai or Haggai, both pronunciations are okay. And we're talking about the time is now. So for those of you who were not here last week, let me get a quick summary to you. The Israelites were in Jerusalem. They were rebelling against God. Had done that for years. God said, I'm going to send you into captivity. Babylonians came in, took uh, the Israelites into captivity, and they leveled Jerusalem, the temple, the wall, everything. It was just gone. They were there for different numbers of years, 70 years. Uh, these particular people that we're talking about were out for like 66 years in captivity away from their temple, uh, which now have been destroyed, away from their homeland. And uh, God finally sent them back. So they were released, and they went back to Jerusalem. And when they got back to Jerusalem, God told them that they should build a new temple because Solomon's temple was gone. And I mean Solomon's temple, that oh, like Taj Mahal. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, it was a beautiful a building made with very expensive materials. And people would come around the world just to see this particular temple. It's one of the wonders of the world. And, of course, it had been destroyed. So God says, what I want you to do is I want you to rebuild my temple. Now, Zerubbabel was the governor, and Joshua was the high priest. And so they set out working. As we talked about last week, uh, they worked for about a year, and they stopped working. Sixteen years went by. Then Haggai showed up. Uh, yeah, we talked last week about how we can obey God even when we don't feel like it. You know, just have to continue to draw from His strength. So Haggai shows up. And what happens is, is he tells them, hey, you need to start rebuilding. You're, you're building all these paneled houses for yourself, nice houses for yourself. But what about my house? What about God's house? That needs to be built. So they started to build. And it came about a month later that they stopped building. A prophet is one who speaks for God. And I would think that if I got a message from a prophet of God, that I could go further than a month (laughs) and give it up again. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what happened. That's what we're studying about today. We're in our series. 
persevering through hard times today in a three-week series in the book of Haggai. Now, let's take a look at the second chapter. In verse 1 it says, In the seventh month, on the twenty-first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Now, we remembered from last week that Haggai, when he wrote about his experiences, was very, very clear about what day it was. We can look at that and say that was Acts, or excuse me, August 29th. And so this is what? You know, September 29th, a year, excuse me, a month after. In the seventh month on the 21st day, this is the exact time. You know, if he had an iPhone, he would just go crazy. I don't know if God does that. He's a daily planner kind of guy, you know, marking everything off when it happened. Uh, he kept good notes. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say. So who do we have? We've got Zerubbabel, who was the governor that had come 16 years ago to start to rebuild, and all he got was the foundation, the insopt. Uh, then you have the governor, excuse me, of Joshua, who is the high priest. So those are the two key leaders in Israel. You had the governor or the king, whatever it might be, and then you had the high priest. And then the remnant. What's interesting about this, and this happens a couple of different times in this passage, is he always breaks it out that way. Okay, pray for Zerubbabel, the governor. Pray for Joshua, the high priest, and then pray for the remnant, those people uh, who are coming back and a part of the group. And I thought about that, and I think that the principle there is that God is teaching us to pray for our leaders, right? He breaks them up, Joshua and and Zerubbabel. You pray for them. And then pray for yourselves, okay? And it's a scriptural principle that you need to pray for your leaders. And, again, it's you guys are great. I mean, people come up all the time and tell me and Rich that they're praying for us every day. And, boy, that really gives us a shot of confidence uh, when we hear that. You know, that somebody's thinking about us every day and releasing prayer power in our lives. It's so wonderful, huh? All right. So what did he say? This is what God said through the prophet Haggai. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Again, last week when God spoke to them through Haggai. He just asked, just asked questions. Just asked questions. And here again, they stopped after a month. If I were God, that get back to work! <laughs> I just remember just a month ago when I spoke through Haggai. You know, what's the deal? But no, he, he deals with us so delicately by asking us questions to kind of figure out what happened here. And he, of course... Homer, uh, of course, gets to the point. Uh, they were basically, I, I, I can see it, 
Now, again, they were in captivity for like 66 years, and they were hanging around building this new temple. All right? And you hear the old guys, like, a, well, yeah, Haggai himself. Haggai had seen the temple. He's like 75 years old. And there was a group of people who had seen the temple that were old enough. And they remember how beautiful the temple was. They remember the feelings they used to have when they went to the temple. How it drew them close to God as they made their sacrifices. And that was in the back of their mind. And so I can just imagine that these older guys are telling the younger guys, Hey, you should have seen Solomon's temple. I mean, wow. <laughs> this is a shanty compared to to Solomon's temple. And so it got around, and I think it just kind of infiltrated to the ranks, and they said, what are we doing here? We're not, digging some, uh, we're not building something like Solomon's temple. We have to uh, you know, work so hard and get the timber from the hills, and what is it going to be when it's done? Nothing in comparison to Solomon's temple. So why even go and continue in building this temple? So I, there was a religious festival where this decision took place, and I think they were just sitting around and talking and saying, ah, forget it, you know, we're not going to build this temple. See, that's how quickly Satan can get to us, right? You know, we're all fired up, we're ready to go, and we go, and then reality hits, right? This is going to be a long walk. This is going to take a long time. And we're all like that, Right? Uh, January is obviously the month when you start your diet. <laughs> now, those of you who go to the gym regularly notice that there's a lot of people there in January. And you say, where'd they come from? Well, they have made a New Year's resolution to be there. And then February, a lot of cars are gone. And March, it's back to normal. <laughs> because that's just how we operate as humans, we're weak. It's hard for us to keep a commitment to make a lifestyle change in our lives. And so we see it here. Again, they say it's not worth it. You know, the primary problem here is that the Israelites were discouraged. They were. I mean, after a month, they probably thought that they were, would be farther along in the temple. After a month, you'd think that the momentum would be building. But that doesn't happen naturally. They were discouraged. Are you discouraged today? I imagine a lot of you are discouraged about something in your life. You have a job and there might be a possibility that that job could end this year. That creates anxiety, stress, and discouragement because you think, you think that things are going downhill. Or maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage is not what you dreamed it would be. In fact, it's much different. It might even be painful. And you're saying, 
oh, stuck with this person for the rest of my life. And again, you're discouraged. You see, when you're discouraged, you don't have any hope, right? You don't have any hope. Hope is what fuels our soul, and that's why the Word of God is full of exhortations to be strong, uh, to know that God is with you, and, and push on even though it's difficult. Because when you lose that hope, you almost go into a sense of helplessness. I can't do anything. Right? Or maybe it's a, a relationship with a child. Uh, a woman came up during the prayer time, and uh, on this patchment, and there she is. Yeah, and she came to rejoice uh, that her daughter, who I had no contact for seven years, right, wrote her a letter, a beautiful letter, and said, "I love you." Isn't that beautiful, huh? That's something to rejoice about. Now, her husband just died last month. And see how that happens? Now, we would never make a plan like that. But God has a plan for us. I always talk about the fact that uh, I want to focus on God's plan for Dan. (laughs) God's plan for Dan. Because I compare a lot, and we all do that, and... We say, why don't I have the gifts that that person has? Or why don't I have, you know, whatever, children like that or uh, wife like that or whatever. We're always comparing. Everybody's got it so much better than me. Well, that's not true. That's just not true. If we had somebody who was willing to come up here and tell you about all the struggles in their life, I'd say, my life's not bad. <laughs> right? But for some reason, we look at people, and because they're confident or whatever, I mean, we get a certain image, the image that they're trying to, of course, put together on Facebook, right? All the pictures and things like that. That guy's been on a cruise three times. I can't even pay this bill. You know, All that type of stuff. That's why you've got to be careful when you're on social media, because jealousy is a sin that will pop up. You just need to accept God's plan for your life. You're saying, well, I don't like the plan. Well, God put it together. And you have to accept it. And you have to live it out. But I'd like a lot of other things. Well, God, God gave you this. And one of the most powerful things you can do in life is to accept your life. Accept your job. Accept your family. Accept your finances. Of course, you need to work on all that stuff. But again, if you just say, okay, God, I accept what I perceive in my life. And I'm going to just walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. and, And I know that everybody else has issues as well. And. Of course, you don't hear about them, right? Well, typically you're only going to talk to a close friend. But uh, it's true. It's true. One of the things I've learned through many years of misery. So, uh, a ministry, not misery. (laughs) All right. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing 
in your eyes. They lost their motivation because it's not important. And we're discouraged. You think about other people who are discouraged. Think of uh, Carolyn Woolard, Pastor Rich's wife, and was diagnosed uh, with cancer. And she had a great day yesterday uh, with a very aggressive drug that was given to her on Thursday. But she did much better than I thought in terms of her being able to, you know, uh, respond to that. So that's great news. Just pray for Carolyn daily, you know. Pray, 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 pray. And then Chris Kivaki, who's our drummer, and has drummed more <laughs> and a part of more services at Springer than probably anybody. <laughs> uh, he loves the drum. I loved uh, the music today. And he just found out that he has esophageal cancer and that uh, they're going to have to do a lot of radiation and chemo and then they're going to have to go in and uh, take his stomach out and part of his esophagus and they're going to have to do a, a wrap like that. It's just like, what is going on here? These are people who have been at Springbrook a long time and I've known them a long time and they're my good friends. And I tell you, it really has kind of caught my attention. It's like, any time, any day, anything can happen. Of course, we try to uh, arrange our lives in such a way to minimize risk. But if you're alive, it's risky. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> There's all kinds of risks around you. And you need to accept that. And God's plan uh, for you. Um, again, that's what's so beautiful about a church family. Pat was telling me about all the people that have prayed for her and come over uh, since the loss of Roger. And I tell you what, it, for that alone, I'd be part of a church. We could just say, support group. <laughs> I mean, really, because for a person, let's say, who comes up having uh, an illness, who do they turn to? If they don't believe in God... They haven't claimed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What do they do with that? I mean, it's just, you know, fate. How do they work through that? And, and many people do. You see wonderful illustrations of it. But I love the fact that no matter what happens to me, no matter who's taken away from me, God is with me. God is with me. Hey, remember the fridge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back in 1985. Those were the glory days. I'll tell you that right now. 2006 was kind of a shimmer, but those were the glory days, man. Oh, Jim McMahon. Uh, he was just fun to watch. He was quirky and whatever. <laughs> He's kind of a strange guy in my mind. Uh, but I love you, Jim. You know that. And this was a parade. How many went to the parade? How many went to the parade? Okay, Joe. Anybody else? Joe and uh, let's see. Uh, what's her name? What? Nancy? Angie, thank you very much. Okay, so we got Joe and Angie. And were you down there downtown? Joe? Yeah. And, and the problem was, is that I was going along the buses 
And, you know, I was very excited and things like that. I was um, attending Moody Bible Institute at that time. And so I tried to get closer to the bus. But what happened is, is people kept pushing me toward the bus. I thought I was going to be taken under the bus. So I kind of moved out of that. Uh, you can see me on the third bus. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it works. Anybody see that red thing? Well, you, you know, you can see me clearly. So yeah, I was there. I don't know, Joe, can you picture yourself? you see yourself there anywhere? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> How about you? Oh, okay. What weren't those days great? Joe, Angie, and myself, we were there for the party of the century. We were the, those were the glory days. And hey, you know, after this last season, let's bring a new team to town. You know, what is going on here with the Bears? And I know we're struggling and it's depressing to watch them, but there were some good days, I'll tell you that. There were some good days, and I can tell you all about it. See, that's how we look at life, right? What do we do? We romanticize the past. The farther the past gets away, the better it is. Right? Oh, do you remember when? Oh, yeah, that was the greatest. And now you're in the present. And the present is challenging. And the present takes a lot of energy. And the present is it's not like the good old days, right? But what you forget that if you really go back to the glory days, they were just as tough as the present. But you've just chosen the things you want to remember and not thought of other things, right? And then we think about the future. Oh, well, there's uncertainty and there's fear in the future. So there's a lot of people who are not in the present, okay? They are thinking about guilt from the past or fear from the future. And that's a real problem if that's where your focus is. Because what we need to do is stay focused on the present and accept our lives and all the blessings that God has given us and let him take care of the future. That's what he said. Don't worry about tomorrow. Well, I'll take care of that. Hey, guy, two, four, and five, work. Okay, so God did say get back to work. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. So the first thing you do when you're in a cave of discouragement is you recognize that God is there with you. And you're thinking, why is God allowing this in my life? Why am I stuck here? Why do I have this job? Why won't God change things? Well, because God has a plan for your life. It doesn't mean it's necessarily the best plan. You say, well, it's just not fair. I mean, look at, look at this guy over here. You know, everything seems to be going right in his life. I mean, why isn't God fair? Well, God doesn't have to be fair. The reason you're on this earth is to give glory to God. And that can be very painful sometimes. People die of cancer and they walk with God. I mean, 
They give glory to God. It's a powerful testimony to us. So that's a Christian worldview. It's much different than what you're hearing or seeing on the Internet. Uh, It's all about... It's all about God, all about Jesus. My spirit remains in your midst. Now, again, they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, but the spirit was still in their midst. And I mean, you can see why they were discouraged when you think about Abraham and Moses and Solomon and David. I mean, great leaders. And all they have is a rubble. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> but it's like... Our days are over. God has stopped working with Israel. He's kicked us out, which he did in a sense, but it was discipline, so he, he brought him back in. So we're thinking through this type of thing. And the most important thing, even the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples. What does it end with? And I will be with you. Now, how do you experience that more? Well, you've got to continue to learn about God. You have a small view of God or a big view of God. Well, it just depends on how much you're maturing in your life. But the great thing about is having a bigger view of God and uh, than discipled in that way is that you understand, you feel. You are comforted by the presence of God. Now, when you're a new Christian and just starting out, maybe you don't feel that. But the more you get to know Him, that's the main thing we've got to do in this life is get to know God. The more we understand Him, the more we love Him because He loves us. And He is a perfect God. So, It's so critical wherever you are at in your life is to build that discipline of your time alone with God and study the attributes of God. Because when trouble comes your way, and it's coming to all of us, right? When trouble comes your way, God is the one you're going to go to. And if you have a lack of understanding and knowing who God is, you're not going to feel him as much, right? But the more you mature, the more you know that he's there. You've seen what he's done in your life in the past. You have confidence in him. I always encourage you guys to start a great a gratitude journal and put two things down every day that I'm grateful for. That can be a very powerful discipline. It really can. Remember Indiana Jones? 1981, <laughs> I think he had to be 32. <laughs> remember, well, you remember as an infant, but <laughs> that was a long time ago. But hey, Harrison Ford, I look at how good looking and young he is, you know. And Indiana Jones, what was he looking for? The Ark of the Covenant, right? And the Germans were looking for it too. They both had, you know, interests. And they come to the end of it and they're... Well, the Germans are going to open the Ark of the Covenant. And as you know, what happens? I mean, evil spirits come out and people are dying around that area. It's just a complete catastrophe because, of course, they were... Well, this is not the Bible. (laughs) But all that to say, 
is that, you know, that is one of the most popular movies of all time. That is. How many like Indiana Jones? Yeah, of course. It had such mass appeal. I mean, it, I think it's one of the biggest selling films in history because it was so fun, right? It was done so well. But it kind of makes me think, where is the Ark of the Covenant now? And biblical scholars, you know, have different ideas. Well, maybe the Babylonians took it. Uh, maybe the Jews hid it somewhere in the caves. But nobody knows where it is. But it's not needed anymore, is it? They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant for the second temple because, again, it just had disappeared. But <laughs> that was special. It was in the Holy of Holies. But, friends, we have the Spirit within us, which is so much, so much greater. And uh, we just need to learn to appreciate that and uh, apply that to our lives. Haggai 2.4, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. So first he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be behind you. Then he says, be strong. And again, he says it to Zerubbabel, then Joshua, and then the rest of the remnant. Be strong. Let's say that together. Be strong. I got to really kick it up here. Be strong. Now look at your neighbor and say, be strong. Yeah. And you say, but I'm weak. (laughs) I feel weak. (laughs) Well, friends, many times going through life, you feel very weak. But if you stay with God and on track with Him, He's going to make you strong in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's interesting that the phrase, fear not or do not be afraid, appears like over, I think, 100 times in Scripture. Now, why is that? Because God knew that we were fearful people. And we can easily fall into fear uh, for many different reasons. So He said, Fear not. But God ought fear not. But you don't understand. Fear not. And really, when it comes down to it, it's faith. Faith and prayer that God will provide for us. That God will take care of us. That this is a difficult plan they gave you. Uh, a difficult design of life. But again, He's with you. Be strong. I mean, you think about people who have lost a loved one like Pat. Uh, people who have um, gone to the hospital, as we talked about. People going through a divorce, you know. There's all kinds of things that can keep us pretty discouraged. But God says, when you're discouraged, you need to say, God is with me. And he will give me the strength. He will give me the strength, even if the situation gets worse. Oh, wait, hold on here. Wait a second. That's not part of the deal. Any prayer has to improve my life. Not necessarily. Because God has a plan for your life. 
And whatever happens, happens. And that's because God arranged it that way. I love that. Be strong. So if you're struggling with discouragement, go home and meditate on this passage and let God speak to you. Haggai 2, 6, and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Now, when was the first time God shook the earth? It was during the time that he gave the law to Moses. But he's going to do it again. He's going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. He's going to be rocking the whole place. And I'll shake all the nations so the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. What's he talking about? He's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back, everything is going to be shaken. And all the silver and gold that people might have and other financial resources, they're just going to come to God because God gave them in the first place. And really, anything that is not eternal uh, will be taken out. And, of course, we have the new earth. And, but, uh, wow. So, I believe that's a prophecy. We go to the next verse. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So he is talking about this little shanty, they think, that they're building. And he says, listen, this temple is going to have more glory in it than even Solomon's did. It's going to be a greater temple. And what they did throughout the years, of course, is they built on uh, to the temple. Uh, then Herod came along, and he did some massive improvements to it. But, but it was still the same temple. They were building the temple where Jesus Christ would go to. Jesus Christ went to that same temple. He stood there. And I'm worried about the Ark of the Covenant, but we're talking about Jesus here. You know? That's why this temple, His glory will come even greater than the glory of Solomon's temple. Isn't that cool? Huh? Exciting. two 2.4 Yet now be strong. Be strong. Be strong. So if you're struggling... Take it to the Lord. Take it to your friends who can encourage you. And be strong. I can't be strong. Yeah, you're right, you can't. That's why you have to depend upon God. I'm going back to my uh, dental oral appliance here. And this is such a game changer in my life because uh, I've struggled with chronic anxiety all my life. And uh, it's just... There's some things you can do for it, but not much. And uh, it's really, it's been my thorn in the flesh. I mean, my mind just races and, you know, there's been a lot of suffering. But that was God's plan for Dan, right? And I'll tell you what, as an encouragement to you, in the last two years, God has done so much more to make me strong. Just in the last two years. 
And there was a process, you know, but just in the last few years, now I still have chronic anxiety, but I have a whole different approach to it. And then I put a dental oral appliance in my mouth and I get twice the energy. Isn't that cool? So what God says, I gave you chronic anxiety, but when you turn 55, I'm going to give you an upgrade. I'm going to boost your power. I mean, really, it's like that. And if you're dealing with anxiety, what you need is power. You need emotional power, mental power, you know, to keep your thoughts on the right track. So I really feel that God said, okay, Dan, we're going to lighten things up for you. One of the greatest things that's happened in my life. And that's encouragement to you all. As you're discouraged and you're troubled and you feel there is no hope, you have to put your hope in God. Now, I don't know why God waited, waited till the age of 55. <laughs> you know, I was wearing that stupid seat that I was wearing that, but why? I don't know why. That's His plan. And boom, I'm back. Right? Isn't that cool how God works? Yeah. Amen. You see, God has a plan for you. And I never knew that a dental appliance would this make, make this much difference. I didn't. I didn't. But God knew. God is with you. And you need to be strong in Him. Let's pray together. Here are our come forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful passage. My life verses, when Paul was talking about his thorn in the flesh, he said, he said if you could solve it or heal it, whatever the issue was. And you said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak, and I am strong, he says. Lord, I feel so weak sometimes. But I know it's just you using me. <laughs> Holy Spirit, working through my life. And probably the most powerful thing is that I've started to accept it. It's just part of my life. It's a pain in the neck. But it's what I have. I just have to keep trusting in you. Please help me, Lord. And please help my friends. In Christ's name, amen.